0: Generally, you can easily save yourself 30% just buying the best deals you can and stocking up. Then you add in the coupons and the other stuff, and now you can cut your grocery bill by 50-60% very easily.
1: Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to Digital Marketing
2: Masters. I am Matt Rouse and I'm here with Josh Elledge and we're talking about the publicity sales funnel system. Welcome, Josh.
0: Hey, Matt, thank you for having me.
2: It's great to hear you. And I wanted to ask you, what type of consulting are you doing for businesses right now?
0: You know, what we're really busy with these days, we have a lot of clients that want one of two things. Now, we're really, really good at helping them go from invisible to being seen and celebrated in the media. And we've been doing that for five years, but we actually developed some pretty powerful skills around building B2B sales systems where we can fill up a client's sales schedule and we can get them 10 plus sales appointments every single week. And you have to do that knowing that consumer behavior has changed drastically and everybody's a consumer. So if you're selling B2B, B2G, B2C, whatever it is, like we're all consumers. And so traditional sales funnels, I will argue, just don't work as well as they used to. Traditional ads just don't work as well as they used to because consumers are resistant to those things. So that's where we come in. We solve that problem. We build up authority. And we get our client looking like an absolute rock star. So, so clients are almost a little bit starstruck to get on a call with with our client. And then as a result, it, it's like you're living a charmed life is how it feels. Like because people just naturally say yes to you. And I've got a lot of evidence to back that up, why that is and what's going on. Right. And so- I don't know if this is really a
2: question more than anything, but you've been on like more podcasts than I have seen anyone. Like I went and looked you up and I looked through all this. I was like, I don't even know where to begin. (laughs) And uh, on your website, it said you've had more than 2000 media appearances. Yeah. If you did one a day, every day, seven days a week, that would take still like six years.
0: Yeah, I'll break down the math for you. So, uh, so I launched Savings Angel, my other company, thirteen years ago, it was January two thousand seven. And when I started, I had no money for advertising, so I reached out to a local radio station, it was a local Christian broadcaster in Western Michigan, and I said, "Listen, I don't have any money, but I'm a consumer expert, and I can help your listeners cut their grocery bill in half." And so they said, "Well, that sounds kind of interesting. We'd love to have you as a guest." And so my first first guest segment. Didn't do that great, but I did well enough that I got invited back again and again. And then I added a second station and that was up to like 13 stations a week. Wow! In addition to that, uh, I also started writing a local newspaper column and then that turned into a syndicated newspaper column. And I've been doing that for over 11 years now. And then local TV, started doing that that led to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Then that led to Chicago. Then we moved down to Orlando about uh, 10, 11 years ago. And here I've been on TV. Close to 700, oh no, but over 700 times now uh, as a consumer expert. So I would go in and I would do three TV segments every single week. So when you add up newspaper column every week, three TV segments every week, I was doing like 11 to 13 radio segments for several years there. You know, plus all the other. It's yeah, it's a, it adds up. That's a lot. That's a lot of activity.
2: So. I'm going to ask you, this probably isn't a question you get asked very often, but how did you tell people to cut their grocery bill in half?
0: No. (laughs) Yes. That's what they ask me every week. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. And it's funny now that we're talking right now, you know, again, folks are kind of interested in this. So.
2: Don't buy as much toilet paper is probably the way to cut your grocery bill in half, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, gosh. I just, don't get me started on that. I, yeah. And look, by the way, like just to get that out of the way, this is just purely a supply and demand issue. Toilet paper manufacturers have more than enough toilet paper for everybody. Oh, yeah. It's just it's a supply chain stuff. People all of a sudden went bonkers because they saw one store shelf that ran out of toilet paper because then we, we start doing this panic buying. I can tell you exactly what's going on here.
2: Well, everybody, everybody, takes a picture of it and then now everybody goes i better get some because there's none left exactly the supply chains now are all on-demand supply chains right because of walmart did the whole thing with the container shipping and then it went into on-demand and then it was dhs ups and fedex and all these places and amazon doing on-demand product buying and then now you can't just say bring me more from the warehouse because there is no warehouse Right. In most cases.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Right. Right. So, you know, just on that subject. and, And again, by the time this publishes, people will have seen this is as a country. We are a food exporter. We have a lot of food. We have all the supplies that you need. Go ahead. Use up as much as you want because guess what? America has enough for you. We, it's amazing how many advancements we've made in agriculture and production. And some people criticize that, but I'm just going to tell you again, we got more food than you could possibly handle. That's why in the United States is one of the cheapest places to eat in the whole world. It's because we have such an abundance of food and, and all your household products. So you're going to be all right.
2: I'm from Canada and I even thought it was cheaper to eat here and Canada's like paved with wheat yeah yeah and the rest of it's paved with trees so if you run out of toilet paper we got more than enough trees to go around
0: yeah and if you want to get you know really complex you know the government subsidizes a lot of this stuff as well so you know your tax dollars have ensured if you want to put a you know glass half full look at this your tax dollars have ensured that we have access to lots of very inexpensive food. And all the again, all the products that you need.
2: Yeah. And you know, we may um we may actually, Josh, we may bump up this episode in in the schedule a little bit. I think that these things are really relevant right now. And I think that PR is going to be important right now. And I think this is maybe something that we need to get out sooner. I don't want to wait till April, you know, to push this out if that's good
0: with you. That's great. That's great. Yeah, because I have a few more things I think are very, very topical that we could talk about just based on my own experience, right? And so you know, to answer your question on how does someone cut their grocery bill in half? It's actually very very easy and most people think that they have the answer and they're not. They're you're basing your information based on what marketers want you to believe. Okay? Here's how you cut your grocery bill in half. You got two options. Number one, you could start growing your own food, but that's going to take a lot of your time. And I don't think that you could outperform the productivity levels that other food manufacturers based on if you play this second option right, you could do far better. And that is you have to be very, very good. You develop this skill set at tracking prices and watching for great loss leaders. Nowhere in the world do I see the price of a commodity fluctuate as wildly as products you can get at the grocery store. These are mostly items you see, you know, historically when, you know, I don't know if your store still does ads or not, but usually these are the items you would see highlighted on the front page of the grocery store ad the things that they're really blowing out. Here in the Southeast, you know, we have Publix. Publix is known for doing BOGOs, buy one, get ones. Generally, BOGOs are going to be a phenomenal deal. And so my recommendation, and I've got a couple more strategies on how to lower that price even further. Well, I'll just tell you right now, is that, you know, you may not realize this, But pretty much every item that you're throwing in your cart, somewhere in that product category, there are some super high value coupons. Now, I said that word and you might be like, oh, great. I'm not going to, (laughs) you know, we have these visions of like what our moms may have done in the, you know, 70s or 80s or something like it's nothing like that. Right. It's a searchable database. You click, you print. Or you add it to a cart or you add, you add it to your Publix app or you add it to some other app and you redeem it that way. It's honestly, if you just spend an hour learning how to do this, this is something that will pay you easily 20 30 $40 an hour. And you know what? That ain't bad. I will do that because I like keeping my own money. Yeah, that's true. I don't need to just uh stuff the pockets of uh retailers and manufacturers. I just assume keep that money for myself and spend it on things I'd much rather enjoy. So we have Safeway and Albertsons here. Yeah. Those are good stores because they are there's there's two types of retailers. There's high low, and then there's quote unquote, always low, but reality always kind of low. Now, what you really, what you want to be buying on the high-low stores, the ones that put their products on sale for like 50% off sometimes, Right. you want to buy those items, get them as cheap as you can. If Cheerios goes on sale, BOGO, and you add a $1 coupon to that, well, now you're only paying $1 a box instead of $4 a box. And so how many should you buy? This gets to principle number two. You have to stock up. When you get a great deal, That's when you buy more than you need immediately. I'm not talking about hoarding. I'm talking about buying enough to last you three months because the average sales cycle, everything goes on sale every three months, except for specialty items. Everything goes on sale every three months, and there's always coupons available, which can save you an additional, you know, 20, 30%. So now instead of cutting your grocery bill from, if you bought only BOGOs, Right there, you would probably take an eight to nine hundred dollar grocery bill down to probably about six hundred dollars. Cause again, usually it's the brand name stuff that goes BOGO. And sometimes you can buy shelf store brand type stuff. And but generally you can easily save yourself 30% just buying the best deals you can and stocking up. Then you add in the coupons and the other stuff, and now you can cut your grocery bill by 50, 60% very easily.
2: Yeah. And another thing that uh, and this is well, this actually drives my wife crazy because I like to buy stuff just because it's on sale because I'm I'm like, someday I'm going to use this. I'm just going to buy some while it's cheap. But also we uh, we cook seasonally, though. Right. So it's a lot easier to get vegetables and fruit and stuff inexpensively than it is to get them when they're shipped here from Mexico or somewhere. Because, you know, I I mean, in the south, it's probably a lot cheaper for you than it is up in Oregon. But if stuff is out of season, it's got to get shipped pretty far to get here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but anyways, I guess we don't want to talk about groceries all day. (laughs) Man, I I
0: could I could spend so much time talking about like now you're like oh crap do I take the bait here? Like I could talk about produce supply, you know uh, the produce the whole produce system works. No, no, I I need to do a Netflix documentary all about this stuff because it's let me I mean it's been just 13 years of you know obsessively studying these things. So I'm known as the guy who can get you a deal, hook up, or upgrade on anything in life. Like I just know how to work systems. So if you want. Want more of this if if someone is like yeah i want more coupon talk then you could just the savings angel show is my podcast i've been doing for seven years the number one shopping and savings podcast on the planet and it's this kind of stuff that i reveal so if you want more of that that's where you go great yeah and
2: we'll put that we'll put that in the show notes too you can get those at hookseo.com slash podcast and it'll be in your player so I want to get back to the business side again, but before we do that, one more sidetrack. Have you seen the Netflix, because you mentioned Netflix, have you seen the documentary called Rotten that's about the food system? Yeah, I have. Some of that stuff is, is a bit, I mean, yeah, I think some of it, it might be a little blown up a little bit more than it really is. But some of it seems, you know, like especially some of this stuff with when they're in Mexico with the
0: avocado wars and all this stuff. It's unfortunate. It's crazy. There are some, there are absolutely some dark sides to this. You know, the the way, you know, modern manufacturing food. Yes, there's, there's a lot to be concerned about. Even what's more concerning is the fact that, for example, the USDA, when you see things like free range chickens or something like that, that means absolutely nothing. The guidelines on that were written by special interest groups. And again, I don't want to get conspiratorial here. It is, it just is what it is, right?
2: Well, I don't think it's really a conspiracy these days. I think everybody understands that there's lobbyists writing the rules for oh, everything. Sure, and, sure. and that's, that's in no way a conspiracy. There's work in the system.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I'm very much, you know, I, I'm, I'm a pro capitalist. Like I, I'm very conscious about that, but I'm absolutely a consumer advocate. And so I believe that consumers should be informed. I don't have a problem. Honestly, if our food supply is safe and it's nutritious. That's kind of all I care about. And I, you know, second to that is I want a really, really great deal. So I'm willing to make concessions on certain, you know, on whatever the standards are. If you are not, then you have different choices that you need to make in terms of, you know, making sure that your produce and your products are organic and they're, you know exactly where they're coming from. But I can just tell you that if you're relying on marketing, that ain't enough to, to, to do your research. You need to look beyond that but I'm just going to nothing tell you.
2: against marketing as I own a marketing agency, but we don't market food. So except for chocolate bars.
0: Yeah. Be prepared to spend a lot of money because it's just less efficient to do it that way. But if that's where you choose to invest your money, go for it. Do it. I, I, and I admire you for doing that. For me, it's always like there are certain things that I will absolutely pay a premium for. There are some things I won't.
2: You know, talking about knowing where your food comes from, we have an, in Oregon, at least where we are, it's re, it's really easy to join like a farm CSA or something. It's community yeah, supported a agriculture. Wonderful. You can go straight to the farm and pick it up where it's grown, kind of thing. Yes, I would love taking taking my daughter to the farm, and she can see the animals and all that kind of stuff. Right? Because they have horses, and it's a really cool idea. But let's get back to the business side again for a minute, outside of just the food side. One question that I did have was: you talk about turning digital entrepreneurs into media celebrities. And I know you touched on it briefly before, but you want to talk a little bit more about what the benefits are. You know, you talked about a little more, but what are the benefits and how does that work?
0: Yeah, so, you know, a great exercise in this, you know, to to really help someone internalize this because I can give you some general guidelines of what you can expect when you become, um, you know, well known for what you do. I think, by the way, Mark Schaefer has done some really great work. Um, The book Known is, is very good, but I can just tell you firsthand, well, let me start by asking a question and I'll give you a couple of illustrations. So if I were to wave my magic dry erase marker right now, if you're watching us, and all of a sudden. And I bestowed upon you 10 times the industry authority that you currently have. Imagine that that's what you have. Now, I've just endowed you with that. What do you imagine would happen to your business? What do you think would happen to your lead gen, your inbound opportunities, your conversion rates, how people treat you, how your peers see you? People on social media, how do they respond to you? How much better do you think your advertising is going to do? When you go to an event, how are you treated there? These are all things, Matt, that are impacted in a really, really big way. Here's how it feels. And I'll give you another illustration before I explain how it feels. Sure. I've been to events where I've been just another face in a crowd. And nobody knows me. I don't really know these people. Like, I've gone to those events. And- I think we've all experienced that. We've all been there. Now, I've also been to events where I've been a keynote speaker. <laughs> and let me tell you, it is a completely different experience in terms of what business gets done out of that event. And it's not just because I get to make an offer from the stage or whatever, right? It's everyone's wanting to take selfies with me and everyone's wanting to, you know, stand in line to ask me questions and all this stuff. It's cool. I got to tell you emotionally, it feels great to do that. So part of why I do what I do, if you want me to kind of get introspective and, you know, in my own psychology, I remember what it was like to be the total nerd, in middle school. And, you know, for me, I had to work really hard to have friends. I was just really, I was, I mean, it was very socially awkward. I tried way too hard (laughs) to make friends. Uh, Do you see all these Dungeons and Dragons books? Oh, dude, I'm into it. I I just (laughs) played D&D two
2: nights ago. Nice. We're moving our games remote right now where I think we're going to do Zoom.
0: Yes, that's what we did. We played over Zoom. Yeah. So I, listen, I know what it's like to not feel, uh, to be, you know, to, to be smart or to be doing good stuff, but not get the recognition for it. Like, I don't understand. It's really weird how you look at some people. It's like, why are they getting all that attention? You know, our platform is way better than, than theirs. I don't get it. I can tell you what's going on. Because that's what I've studied because I have an innate sense of fairness, kind of like my consumer advocate role. Right. Right. I believe that everybody has a message that could possibly impact the world. And it's wonderful if you've created financial success and you're doing good work in business that can get you up to a certain level. Then you're going to have to get like, I believe anybody can get to six figures today. That is just not hard today as a service provider, providing services online. And you just your general networking and just doing good in the world. All right. But then you need to start being very conscious about your brand and what are people thinking about when they see you. And so here's another illustration. If you are a speaker and I go to your website and I don't see a speaker kit What am I probably going to think about you? Well, you might be a speaker, but you're probably not very successful at it at this point. Like you're just getting, you're just kind of getting started at it.
2: You went and looked at my
0: website, right? (laughs)
2: because I don't have one made yet
0: (laughs) well you know whatever I mean it's here's the thing like we've got the things that we have to prioritize that are more important if speaking is not a priority for you then why bother but you know same thing goes if you want to be a media guest so Matt you pointed this out like when you go to my media page you'll see okay this guy has done like over 200 podcast interviews what's going on here well it's because I brand myself as someone who's very media accessible. This is what I do. This is the most important work that I do. Uh, I don't have to do it, but I love to do it because I know that's why I'm on the earth today. If I don't do what I do, if I don't go and I don't go help families and I don't go serve entrepreneurs and business owners, I know that business owners are going to suffer and some are going to fail if they don't get the wisdom that I've gained over, you know, 20 some years of running businesses and the things that I've learned that have led to having seven figure income or yeah, seven figure annual incomes. I know I can teach you how to do that. And so I have I so I. I feel like I have a moral obligation every single morning that I'm not here for me. Like I'm good. Like I will find a way to get my bills paid. But what's more important is that if you help enough people get what they want, you're going to be fine. Right.
2: A lot of times uh, it's kind of a, a similar kind of a similar idea that we talk a lot about is, um, and, and there's, there's kind of two sides of it. One is to show people you can help them by helping them. Yes. Right. And the other side of that kind of similar to what you were just saying is that If you have the ability to help a business owner, you know, who's supporting their family and their employees' families and all that, it's a lot of pressure and it's a lot of work. If you don't help them, they're going to go to the next person. And the next person could be a scammer. It could. There's all kinds of bad marketing, especially in the SEO world. Yes, You know, there's all kinds of garbage out there that doesn't work. There's a lot of stuff that's just you spend your money, nobody does anything. You know, they or they farm something out to... Bangladesh for $3 an hour and, and never do any work, you know, so there's all kinds of problems. So so you want to make sure that what you have to offer your clients, and it doesn't have to be marketing or business related, it could be, if you're the plumber, and you're gonna go, I always use plumber as example, by the way, if you're the plumber, and you're gonna go fix somebody's plumbing, you better do it and do a good job, because otherwise, they're gonna go hire somebody else who may not be a very good plumber. Right. Or it could be a bad electrician or it could be a bad roofer or it could be a contractor who's going to scam somebody or, you know, there's all kinds of problems out there. So if you do good work and you believe in your work, it's your duty to market to your clients because they deserve to get taken care of. And if you're not taking care of them, you can't make sure they're being taken care of. Right. So one other thing I kind of wanted to touch on is. What is the difference between, I mean, you've talked a lot about authority and a little bit about influence, but what is the difference between authority and influence?
0: Yeah. So I think we all have heard of influencers and influencers could just be someone with a uh, large following on uh, Instagram and they're just a lot of selfies, a lot of duck faces, you know, that sort of thing. That's that's Why do we call that influence? Well, it's because they have the ability to get the attention of lots of other people and hopefully be able to have some sort of persuasion over that group, or at least, you know, in, in certain areas, not everything, right? Some people are very influential. They have a big audience in some things and we've seen where influencers have tried promoting something that's off brand and it just fails miserably, right? And so we have to know we have to be honest about the limits of our influence. Now authority is, and we'll talk about, you know, kind of where these meld together too. And we draw a Venn diagram here, which I like. So authority, authority is generally, it's given by some sort of body, like a government, a school, your own results can demonstrate authority. Social proof can demonstrate we have agreed that this person has authority for these things. Uh, And I've got to be honest, you know, of all of those, I think moving forward, the economy of tomorrow is a results driven economy. People don't necessarily care where you went to school in the 90s. What they do care about is what have you done with that? That matters way more than some designations that you might have behind your name. Okay. Now for some things, yes, I do want my brain surgeon to still have, you know, be an MD. Right. (laughs) Um, But again, for the mass majority of things, you, you know, you could still be an influencer in the rocket scientist community and have a high school education. And the way you do that is you start a platform and you just start interviewing rocket scientists. And then all of a sudden, you are now an influencer in space. Doesn't mean you have the authority to launch rockets, but you now have influence in that space where rocket scientists appreciate you. People who are also geeks about rocket science, the rocket scientists. They look to you. And now all of a sudden you have a way, if you wanted to, you could monetize that in a really, really big way. So, you know, it's kind of, you know, we talked about earlier about, you know, what happens when you have 10 times the authority, stuff just happens. And I'll tell you that it's much easier to grow influence when you have authority because people will pay attention to what you have. Otherwise, you know, you're going to have to have something else to offer that audience. Maybe it's humor, entertainment, an attractive body. Uh, You know, you're going to if you don't have an authority any other way, you got to have something that's going to catch the attention of audiences. But I find, again, if you have success, then you're much more likely to uh, gain and keep the attention of that audience.
2: As that goes for, you know, entrepreneurs, what do you think are the two most important activities that an entrepreneur could be doing to kind of increase their influence and authority?
0: Yeah, I'll tell you exactly what you need to be doing, and that is we need to prioritize our brand, and we need to prioritize how it is that we look personally on the web. And I'm telling you, listen, if all you did was spend an hour to an hour and a half a week, and you did this for three to six months straight, People you will see will start to treat you differently. They will get on a call with you and they'll say, Oh my gosh, you seem to be everywhere. Or like they'll just, they'll give (laughs) you some indication. Like, cause here's the thing, right? Matt, just like before our call, you checked me out. And so I invite anybody like you can go ahead and you can Google my name. Now, I can tell you that I've dominated my name for quite a while. There was one other Josh Elledge that died. So that helped my rankings. But one more go? No, I'm joking. There's there's another Josh Elledge that's going to be a contestant on The Bachelorette.
2: Oh, that's going to be tough.
0: And so I'm very grateful that I have a unique name. But yeah, I have a feeling this guy's going to get his 15 minutes of fame and it's going to mess up all my online authority for a short term.
2: Yeah. Well, you don't have the same problem I have where somebody with the exact same name as me in a different part of the United States got arrested for something really bad. Yeah, that happens. I know it's terrible. So anyways, I just I just bought the domain name with my name and I'm starting to build that again to kind of fix that problem. But so you were talking about people say talking about seeing you everywhere and spending an hour and a half a week on what should they spend that time. Uh, Yeah.
0: So here's the very first thing you need to do is you need to get new headshots, probably. And so this is really, really easy. If you want to test how your own headshots are performing, you can go to a free website called photofeeler.com. You upload your photo and then you vote on a bunch of other people's headshots and then people are going to vote on you and they're going to be very honest with you and you need that information. Here's why. By the way, I I need to point out that this stuff that I'm going to be talking about for the next few minutes Yes, I agree. This, what I'm talking about is very superficial. This is not who I am, who you are, Matt, the person who's listening to us. It's not who you truly are. Like who you are is like, you are likely a very, very beautiful person. Like you are a good person. You're capable, you're smart, you're confident, you are successful. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) But your branding, listen, your branding, communicating, a whole different message.
2: Right. You need to have a brand facade that matches your, what you're trying to get across, right?
0: That's it. That's it. So it's about being as authentic to our audiences that we would like to connect with as possible. And we need to lower, a, lower the digital barrier because most of us now do most of our work engaging online, particularly now. Yes, especially now. You know, the post-epidemic, post-pandemic world. And so it's more important than ever that, that you represent. If, if I could spend 30 minutes with somebody in person at a meeting, our relationship is going to go right because we just have that that powerful opportunity to spend time together. And so what we want to do is make it really easy for people to fall in love with you. And, and again, just kind of referring what I referred to earlier about, you know, is some of this stuff superficial? Yeah. But think of it this way. Your resume, would you say, well, I mean, I don't want to brag, you know? I, I don't have to go. No. Why wouldn't you be afraid of bragging on your resume? Because you want the best possible outcome. Okay. Same thing on a dating profile. Would you say, this profile image looks really good. I'm gonna use this crappy one over here because I, you know, I don't want to come across as you know. Maybe use the crappy. other one with my double chin and my hat. Yes, right, right. Yeah. Or like, you know, would you spend time and be thoughtful about your profile? Yeah. Why? Because you want to be able to get the best possible outcome from that, from either your resume or dating profile. Same thing needs to go. Listen, if you're not taking LinkedIn seriously, you're really missing the boat. If you Google me, one of the first search results you're going to find is my LinkedIn profile. I know that. I know that when you Google me, that's one of the first things that's going to come up. And so because of that, I am going to spend a lot of time and I'm going to max out my LinkedIn profile. So let me see. Wait, there's Twitter. There you go. LinkedIn number four. So it's the founder, CEO of my influence. Again, I'm going to click on that. And voila, there's everything you want to know about me. And let me tell you. I know how to max out a LinkedIn profile, my friend. So if you want right. to if you did nothing else but just search me on LinkedIn and just copy what I'm doing, some of the things you'll be like, how did he do that? You're going to have to do some detective work, right? I'll, I'll share with you how I do all that stuff. But, like, there's a little – there's some hacks. Like, uh, that's,
2: that's great. That's great. I don't mean to – sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. I was kind of laughing at the same time that you were saying that because I've seen so many bad LinkedIn profiles. Like, I'm just just terrible or not updated because – they have their job from four years ago on it, but they're trying to sell something from a different company. Or, so I changed my LinkedIn profile to say, I'm not going to sell you anything. <laughs> so it's actually, I think it says, I'm not going to message you and try to sell you stuff. And the amount of people that I've connected with now who accept right away has gone way up. Mm. because. And then you know what I do after that? I don't message them and try to sell them things.
0: Yeah, yeah. and And, and again, people in the back of their minds... That's what they're worried about. They're thinking about that, and so you know, you may as well just call out the elephant in the room and say, you know, here's what I can provide you. It's like you know, what 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 I have made the very conscious decision to do in our business is I just don't sell things to early entrepreneurs. I don't. I just serve that audience, and I serve hard. Like I serve heavily. Like I, we do so much stuff pro bono to serve our uh, our audience, but I don't sell stuff to them. Honestly, like when you get, to, when they get to the point where they're doing six figures or more, yeah, come talk to me because then we can really pour some gas on the fire. But I need to make sure that they can ROI anything that we would potentially provide them with.
2: And I think, you know, that's, that's one of the things that we've learned over the years also at our agency is that companies have to be able to get over the hurdle of all the other business hurdles first before they can, you know, before you can really do that work with them to, to kind of push them forward. You know, if you start with very early startup businesses and stuff. It can be pretty sketchy. You know, one time we had a business that, that you know, they just adamant about us advertising for them. They got everything under control. Nothing was working. Nothing was working. And I ended up giving them a call off the number that they gave us for one of their ads. And it rang 60 times with no answer. I'm just like, well, why do you think the noise is buying your product? Right. Yeah. So stuff like that happens too. And, and, you know, so I get what you're saying about waiting for people to start to ROI first before they get going. I think it's some fantastic tips. And I know right now with the whole COVID-19 thing, a lot of stuff's up in the air. I don't know how things are where you are right now. Oregon has closed all bars, all restaurants, except for takeout, no gatherings of people over 25. So businesses are basically shutting down, but we do have Mm -hmm. a lot of remote workforce here, too. So that's helpful. Yeah. Um, I wonder if you have any suggestions right now for business owners or business leaders during this kind of crisis that maybe they can use this time to work on their influence or their PR.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So here's the thing. Yes, there are some, there are going to be some businesses that, you know, this is why the federal government and the SBA have made funds available. You're going to be okay. You can find a way forward out of this, no matter who it is and what you do. Okay. Now is the time to lead. If you're a business professional, you really, you got to be very, in my opinion, I think we should all be very conscious about where we are putting our focus right now. It's okay to be informed, but if you spend all of your time looking at scary headlines, it is going to mess you up. And you will not be able to be the leader that you need to be for your family, for your business, for your employees, for your clients, for your future clients. Someone needs to be the leader, okay? When we have disruption in a market, and I can speak on this firsthand, Right. right? Because with Savings Angel, we experienced this big time both up and down and so we were positioned before the economic crash of 2008 as a service that served people who wanted to save money and so the economic crash happens all of a sudden everyone's interested in saving money at the grocery store using coupons that sort of thing okay we had million a million dollar year we had you know a seven figure year what ended up happened though as the economy started improving is consumers started losing interest in saving money at the grocery store. They wanted convenience more than that. So one thing that we didn't do as well as I wish we would have is we didn't react as quickly to those market forces that are outside of your control. But the important thing is we must act and we must lead. You can make tremendous amounts of money when the economy is going up and you can make tremendous amounts of money when the economy is going down. You just need to ask yourself, What does the market need right now? So, great example, Matt, right now, there's two things that we do at Up My Influence. We help turn our clients into media celebrities. If you're a larger company, you recognize the ROI in that, and you don't really need to quibble about that. For smaller companies, it's kind of one of those things that it might be perceived as a nice-to-have thing, but not an essential thing to have, okay? Okay. So as a result, we've had a couple of clients that are like, ooh, you know, we're having to, you know, cut down, uh, on any expenses that aren't absolutely essential. That's pulling back and that's a bummer. I hate when that happens because again, I think it's really important for us as leaders to charge forward. Don't charge forward haphazardly, but you know, we, we really need to be thoughtful about that. So. What do we also do that is helpful for people that are in an economic downturn and eventually going to be climbing their way out? Well, again, we fill up sales schedules for our clients. We solve that problem for them. Okay, As long as they sell B2B and the average lifetime value is worth more than a couple thousand dollars, I'll tell you what, I've got a system that, again, we call it, you know, it's kind of a give first, kind of a bobber, go giver system, and it works. And it's how we were able to take our monthly recurring revenue in our pipeline from $27,000 monthly recurring revenue to over $200,000 monthly recurring revenue in our pipeline. Not all closed, but you know, that's the kind of relationships that we were able to build. And we did that in five months time. Wow, that's really good. So that is something that people need when times are not as good. So I think, you know, we need to look at what are the problems that we solve in the marketplace and we might need to adjust. And I don't want you to adjust to just to today. I want you to adjust to what people are going to need over the next 6, 12, 18, 24 months. That spot right there, you need to have those products and services all put in place as soon as possible. Because guess what? It's in many ways, it's kind of like a reverse gold rush, right? Where everybody's coming out, and everybody's going to be mining for gold. And if you get out there and you set up your dungaree store, you're going to do really, really well over the next few years. But it's only for people who take action. Everybody else is on and withdrawing and all that other stuff. You're just not positioning yourself as well to take advantage of this major upheaval in the economy, which can be a very positive thing for you personally, even though, unfortunately, I get it. It's it is absolutely a bummer for a lot of people. But again, please do, you know, and I'll, I'll share this as someone who's like, I've I've done some advising and like I've I have experience working with SBA. Like we got SBA funding a couple of years ago and it was amazing. It was a dream. It allowed us to do everything that we wanted to do, and we didn't have to take on some crappy investor who wanted like 40, 50% of our company. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I saw the SBA just put out something uh, yesterday and then they have an update it's supposed to come out tomorrow. So I think the SBA is, is actually going to have a low interest loan directly from the SBA, like not an SBA insured loan.
0: No, I'll tell you exactly what it is. Like an emergency funding yep. loan. Yeah. So you can get up to a 30 year term loan, a 30 year term loan at max 4% interest. Holy that crap. That is like free money. It's Almost as cheap as my house. <laughs> If your business can outperform 4% and, and y- you definitely qualify for that program, you would be ridiculous not to take it.
2: Oh, I mean, isn't inflation like 2%? So
0: you're already cutting that in half. Yeah, yeah. it's a no brainer. Go, go. Take it. If you are impacted negatively, and you can document that, you got to document it. Um, and it's not going to be instant. Right? It's going to take them about five to six weeks in order for you to get that check. Now, some states, as well, like in the state of Florida, will offer bridge loans, and they'll offer you, like in the Florida, in the state of Florida, they'll defer payments for twelve months. You can get up to like forty, fifty thousand dollars, and again, it's interest free for the first twelve months. And so that would be another option. That's short term money. Whatever you do, okay. The evil players in, in the, in the alternative lending world. If you, you're going to get that mail, you need to go tell them to jump in a lake because they're going to charge you 18, 20, 40, 80% interest. Be very careful about alternative lenders, particularly those that do factoring. And there's some other nefarious practices that are horrible. Yeah. Do be careful.
2: Yeah, and they'll bury the fees in there and all kinds of stuff. You got to read 18 pages of documents of how they're going to screw you over. Yeah, so I think that's some really good advice uh, about the SBA loans. And you know, I I'm hopeful at least in Oregon and Washington, I know that they have some stuff coming down the pipe for small business, and they're kind of beefing up the unemployment funding and stuff too. So that's that's good there. A few things that I have seen, kind of just quickly, just stuff I've seen over the last couple of days is restaurants and retail businesses doing local delivery because their employees don't need to be there because people are coming into the store, so they're able to use those employees to go do delivery. One quick note about that that was important that I just heard on a call yesterday was that the regular insurance you have doesn't cover your employees doing deliveries. So you need to talk to your insurance person, you know, because your employee gets in a car accident or something, you don't want to be, you know, on the hook for that also. And usually that kind of liability Insurance is 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 fairly inexpensive. Another thing I saw that was a really good idea was from a local shoe store, and what they're doing is uh, fittings by appointment. So you can go online and schedule an appointment, and then you can go in the store, and there's nobody else there but you and the person who's doing the fitting. Yeah. So you can get shoe fittings, and you can probably do that clever. with clothing stores, it's really and clever. It's clever. I thought that was a really good idea.
0: And and again, I I think that you know we talk about like so I was in the military long time ago. And uh, so I'm very aware of, you know, and I was around doing business, there was the pre 9-11 world and the post 9-11 world right. and way different. I think that, you know, again, in the United States, to an extent, there was a kind of a post recession, uh, pre recession and post recession. Okay. We learned a lot of things. I absolutely believe that, the uh, you know, Based on what I know, I'm not an expert in this, but I I believe there's going to be a pre-coronavirus and a post-coronavirus world. Mm -hmm. And I think that you have to ask yourself, how does that intersect with what I do professionally? And how can I position myself for the post-coronavirus world? Ooh, I'm going to tweet that. Yeah, that
2: is that's a really good <laughs> idea. Well, I don't want to take up all your time. Josh, I appreciate you spending a little extra time talking with us today. We've gone a bit long already, but fantastic conversation. And uh, we will get all the stuff that you talked about into the show notes. Probably need maybe a couple days here for us to get everything kind of edited down and, and launched out, but I'm going to try and get this out in the next couple days. Cause I think this is really helpful for business owners. I think you've given them some fantastic advice that I mean, literally could save some businesses. So I
0: really appreciate your help. Yeah, for sure. Matt, thank you so much for having me.
1: This has been digital marketing masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse for notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Now stay tuned for a preview of our next episode of Digital Marketing Masters. Join us next time as we visit with Laura Kupacheck from Oregon Entrepreneurs Network. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.